Before we begin this podcast, we want to take a moment to remember Logan Hunter. Logan passed away at the age of 39, and he was the ultimate teammate. As a hockey player, as a husband, as a father, a family member, and as a friend. If you knew Logan, you knew he had your back, always, under every circumstance. He was there for you. Our thoughts are with the Hunter family and everyone who knew Logan at this time. The Night Shift, episode 107. Kyle Gamard, Mike Stubbs, your hosts, and a lot to unpack from this weekend. Three games in less than three days, essentially, for the Knights. Two of them on the road on Saturday and Sunday. Mike was there for all three. Plenty to get to. Welcome in, as always. You can follow us uh, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure to give us a review as well. If you want to on Apple Podcasts, let us know how we're doing. Let us know maybe some things that we we you want us to incorporate more for example and uh as well as socials at calgamard at stubs 980 mike a very very busy weekend but a very victorious one the knights go three and oh and sweep the weekend this was crazy and the way that they did it against the guelph storm hanging on we're gonna hear from easton cowan in just a few minutes and easton was still catching his breath probably 25 minutes after the game, simply because it was that kind of effort at the end. Easton Cowan beat out Brody Crane, who's really fast, on an icing call. It was called icing. It was talked about by the officials. It was brought back to center ice. It was that kind of thing. Little tiny things through the last minute and a half. Oh, and one gargantuan save by Michael Simpson on Parker Snellgrove, who had scored his first OHL goal earlier in the game. Former London Junior Knight. Almost played hero for Guelph in tying the game late. Michael Simpson, another Londoner, takes it away. If you haven't seen the save, I can't do it justice with words. That's one you have to see in pictures. Go and check it out on the night's social feeds or go and check it out on the OHL feeds or just find a hockey highlight. It'll be there. It was incredible. So that was quite the finish. We're not going to end up talking much about Erie and London, I'm sure. So let's make sure we mention that the Knights started off the weekend with a hard-fought win over the Erie Otters. And Erie, Guelph, and Owen Sound are going to be quite a race for 5th, 6th, and 7th in the Western Conference. That's the way it seems to be shaping up. All teams are getting to the point where they have either just over 20 games remaining or just under 20 games remaining like the London Knights. And we're getting into that final push. If the playoffs started today, and I want to thank Rick Corner for asking this question. He says, am I reading this right? He shot me a text and I said, yeah, you're reading it right. If the playoffs began today, first round matchup, London versus Sarnia. We'll see if it holds, Kyle. Wow. Yeah, that would be something else. I mean, a, a rematch of last year's, you know, conference final matchup would be a ton of fun. But listen, lots of hockey to get to. Uh, like you mentioned, a very hard fought victory over the Erie Otters on Friday. Erie is just such they have this thing this year. And I had people coming up to me and asking, you know, what what Erie does to to make life so hard on London. And they just 
They never stop. They compete. They compete. They compete. And it really gave, you know, London fits. They they just hung around in the game. London was never really able to get too out of, you know, too far ahead without Erie finding a way to claw back in. And it made for a very close, very enticing game for them. It did, and it was a good start for the Knights because it got them ready for what was a game that had no time and no space in Owen Sound. And Kyle, we get to start off this podcast talking about an inanimate object that had such a massive role in the London Knights winning the game, the door in Owen Sound. It was almost like something out of The Simpsons. Homer Simpson was the real hero here. He jury-rigged the door closed using this. Hey, what is that? It's an inanimate carbon rod! The Simpsons predicts everything. (laughs) If there was an inanimate carbon rod in Owen Sound, it might have been really helpful because the problem in Owen Sound was the door in the Owen Sound attack end of the ice in the first period and the third period. It wasn't latching properly. And apparently this has been going on for a little while. But Casper Haltonen ended up knocking Maddenstein through it, just not with a huge hit. There was no penalty on the play. The game had to be stopped for a third time when this happened. But there was Maddenstein with his skates hanging out of the door on the ice. The rest of him was down the cutway through that door. So here's the thing. I love Owen Sound. I love going to Owen Sound. I love the fans in Owen Sound. They are incredibly passionate. We go and and you get an opportunity to play in an arena that's a little bit different in the way that the construction of the ice works. Think about the old Boston Garden and how cramped it was and how players would say, yeah, that, that was a different experience because it was. The ice surface was actually smaller. The corners in Owen Sound, if you measure from the middle of the rink in one end and the middle of the rink in the other end, you're going to get 200 feet. If you measure it sideways, you're going to get 85 feet. But the corners... If you look at them, they're they're just a little bit different. And of course, the boards are known for their Bayshore bounce that we've talked about again and again and again. So to go and play on a unique ice surface, that's incredible. I love that mix for the game. And you take the passion and you take that that unknown element of making those boards work for you. And the Knights did a great job on Saturday doing that, firing pucks off them and hitting the angle that would put them into the crease. It was sometimes like they were the home team, the way that they were manipulating those boards. But those boards have to be safe. And the Ontario Hockey League has been a leader in player safety. Normally in the past, junior hockey has followed the NHL. So a rule that the NHL brings in, the junior hockey world will follow because a lot of their players are looking to get to that level eventually, and many of them do. So you want them to be playing by the same rules, under the same configurations, and all of a sudden the OHL says, wait a minute, we're concerned about player safety. So we're going to really crack down on head checks. We're not. That's going to be a thing that we focus on. The NHL wasn't doing this. The OHL did it. We're going to change fighting. The QMJHL has now changed fighting. They've gone ahead of the National Hockey League in the way that they've dealt with these things. So player safety is always paramount. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm thinking it isn't, because it is. But this right now is a player safety issue. The boards in Owen Sound were not just doing this. This latch wasn't just not 
connecting properly on Saturday. This has been happening for a while. And you knock a player through those boards, the door opens. I don't even want to think about the kinds of injuries that you can have. First off, I bet Madden Steen took a bump from Casper Haltonen. And next thing he knew, he was lying on his side on a piece of rubber. You wouldn't have even have been able to brace yourself. It would have happened that fast. And so when we're dealing with situations like that, you have to say, no, this stops. This needs to be fixed to perfection before anybody gets hurt. And I'm I'm really I'm I'm baffled at the fact that this had been an issue before that was known about. And the television broadcast crew and Owen Sound did talk about that, that this isn't the first time this has been happening. And yet it's been allowed to continue. Are you kidding me? And now we get somebody knocked through a door. This is not a good look for the Ontario Hockey League. Now, unfortunately, I don't think it's an easy fix. Here's the thing in Owen Sound. They are a small market team. And it's not like you can say, yeah, repair those boards. They are a team that was saved in 2000 by some amazing community members. They were about to lose their team to Cornwall. And then you had community members say, no, this team matters this much to this community. We're going to find a way to make it work. It was an amazing story. It was a, an amazing, generous move by a lot of people in that community. They kept it there. And then in 2011, they won an OHL championship. And people lined the highway from Mississauga back to Owen Sound, cheering the bus as it went by. You just couldn't help but be an Owen Sound attack fan at that time. So there's a lot to love, but there's something to not like very much. And that's those boards. Something needs to be done about this. And when you look at the kind of boards that exist, we like to affectionately talk about the Bayshore Bounce and it's fun. Those boards aren't used in very many rinks anymore. So I think it's time for the OHL to say, okay, we need a standard here. We need a standard because of player safety. So this is what our league is going to have. And if Owen Sound doesn't have it, they've got to find a way to get it because you're trying to appeal to players at a time when it's harder than ever to get players to come to your league. We're dealing with the NCAA having name, image, and likeness, being able to essentially offer money and deals to really good players. The OHL cannot have the, oh yeah, you're that league where one of your rinks has a door that won't shut properly. Now, maybe it's an easy fix, but if it was, wouldn't it have been done by now? Wouldn't it have been done after the first time that it didn't latch properly? That makes me think it's not as easy a fix, but it needs to be fixed. Kyle, this is a serious issue. It sounds like a tiny issue. It's a serious issue, and it doesn't need to be any bigger an issue than it already was on Saturday. Well, and Mike, you make a really good point as to why, you know, it is a serious issue and why it's not as serious maybe for some people is the fact that nobody was hurt in the process. Had there been a major injury or God forbid something happens where you have to send a player to the hospital and rush them to the emergency room, this gets talked about more. And I think the league and I think Owen Sound are very lucky that there wasn't a worse situation that happened. And thankfully, everybody was able to get up. Everybody was okay. And the fact that they were able to complete the game afterwards. I think if there was a more serious situation that would have occurred, one, it would have been an awful look for the league. And two, that game may or may not have gotten finished because if that happens and a player is really, really hurt, you can't, you can't consciously think, all right, let's keep it going. Let's have the players play, especially when 
London was trying to tie the game. And Mike, if I st- uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's where the majority of the game was was played towards the end. Oh, you bet. I mean, the fact that the Knights came back in that game, I think, had everything to do with the delay that happened while they tried to determine what to do with that door. And you mentioned that player safety issue again. Again, it was Casper Haltonen who came together with Madden Steen of the Owen Sound Attack. We talked with Casper after the game, and his concern was with Madden Steen. This is a guy who's competing in a game, but it's not like you want to say, oh, look, I knocked my opponent through the door. That's not what this is about. Everybody wants things to be safe. It was a normal battle. I went to check the guy, and, I mean, the door was open. And I, Of course, I didn't mean to, like, I mean, that's pretty uh, dangerous to, like, it could have, somebody could have got hurt there by it. Um, yeah, it was just a normal, normal hit, and the door just opened. I was like, "Oh, like that's not good." But I hope uh, uh, the guy was okay, and uh, nobody got hurt, so that was good. London Knights forward Casper Halton. So look at those words. How many times did he say, "I just wanted to make sure everybody was okay"? That's what the players were thinking. Ultimately, what this did was it created a delay. Owen Sound had been doing a really good job at that point in the third period, trying to hold off the London Knights who were pushing. They were down 3-1. Owen Sound had even gone up 3-1. Sam McHugh had scored on a rebound right after the Knights had a big chance to score at the other end of the ice. It was one of those. Missed chance at one end, goes in at the other end. So it's 3-1, and that door opens up with 9-0-2 left in the third period. So there's about a 10-minute, maybe a little bit longer than 10-minute delay, almost 15 minutes, and the Knights are able to go and compose themselves at the bench, maybe get a little rest. 44 seconds after the puck drops, Easton Cowan scores a goal that, again, you've got to go and see to believe, where he makes a move, the puck goes into his feet, he kicks it to his stick, and he backhands it into the Owen Sound net. Incredible. Got into the slot doing it, going to the net. And so Easton Cowan makes a 3-2, and then Oliver Bonk plays hero again on a second consecutive Saturday night. And this was after Oliver Bonk was hit in the face by a sharp-angled shot in the first period. And somehow this missed all of his teeth. I talked with Knights athletic trainer Matt Bogart after the game, and I said, where did it get him? He says, it's amazing. It missed every bone. It missed all of his teeth. All he has is some swelling in his face. It hit about the mushiest part of your face that it could possibly hit. And I thought it had gone off a stick. And Oliver said afterward, no, no, it didn't hit. It it was a straight off his stick, a shot right up into his face. So he was wearing the bubble for the rest of the weekend. He wore a full face shield, but he played incredible and was able to tie the game on a puck that he just put into the net, hit off a stick or a skate and went through the legs of Carter George of Owen Sound and the Knights tied it. But without that door, that clock was moving fast. And it was like the Knights weren't able to collect themselves as the game was going on in the way that they needed to. That delay, because of that broken door, allowed them to have that compose themselves. This is a really good hockey team. And from there, they just seem to have a different mode of attack. And it ended up working. And then Denver Barkey won the night's first shootout of the year. Yeah. And so now they are, they're no longer over in the shootout after going perfect last year. Yeah, what a weird switcheroo that was from last year to this, but the Knights able to squeeze that one out in a shootout. And then a very gritty win to end out the weekend, Mike, on Sunday as well. And, you know, it just, you go along the list of things that 
have taken place for London Knights, specifically in that game. You go 3-0 in the weekend. Your big guns are going. Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan continue to buzz. Michael Simpson coming back, and what a save to preserve it. 4-3 to with less than three minutes to go, and he absolutely robs robs the Guelph Storm from tying that game with a ridiculous glove save. Here is McGuire up the draw shot. Rebound. What a save. Michael Simpson just stole the tying goal out of the air. A shot, a save, and then Simpson with the glove. That was outstanding. That was wild. And he had made a lot of saves. And remember, Michael Simpson had missed a week with an illness. So he was just coming back. And Kyle, you know it. You've been out as a goaltender, and then you come back in. Maybe that first game back is not the best game. You're just trying to get through it, right? You're just trying to get through it. I It depends on your mentality as a goalie. A lot of times when, you, when you're not at the rink for a little bit and you come back into the net, you're not thinking as much, and you kind of just like you you think of one thing and one thing only which is all right stop the puck and everything else slowly starts to come afterwards and you know michael simpson looked good you know gave up you know only three in this one had a couple really big stops and more importantly got the win as well and i just think you know coming back from whatever it was that he was coming back from being able to just get in net stop a couple pucks early and really start feeling himself you know allowed him to get comfortable and, and make some big stops at the end too but you know, for the Knights to go three for three on the weekend, I also don't want to forget, Mike, um, just a really, really steady presence. We've been talking a lot. Oliver Bonk has been spectacular on the back end. Specifically, he's been lighting up the goal sheet. Sam Dickinson, I feel like every time I watch a London Knights game, it's very rare you don't see him on the ice. I feel like he's, he plays two-thirds of every single game, but he's also so sound defensively, but he's still keeping up production-wise on the offensive side. And with Jackson Edward being given a game misconduct for a headbutt, yep. Evan Van Gorp was hit along the boards, and there was a two-minute check to the head penalty, but it created a scrum. And in that scrum, there was a headbutting major that was given to Jackson Edwards. So Sam Dickinson ended up playing a lot more minutes than maybe he was expecting to. Third game in three days, and he now has five points in his last four games. And he was a catalyst, and he was also a guy protecting the other end of the ice. Isaiah George, tremendous. I mean, you can go through. Alec Leonard was tremendous all weekend. Jared Woolley and Henry Bristevich both played. And so you're looking at, at some really, really solid performance on D and then you include Oliver Bonk and his face that filled out the full face shield but then you look at the other side of things and it was just a matter of the Knights outwilling the Guelph Storm. Guelph struggles to score but yesterday they found ways to get three and they were on the verge of getting a fourth until Michael Simpson pulled it out of the air but this was a game where you didn't have any gas left and you still found a way to make the engine run. We talked with Easton Cowan after the game, and we mentioned it. Easton Cowan and Denver Barkey were on the ice, and their job was to kind of push the puck and and forecheck and kill out some minutes, and they were out there face-off after face-off. The Knights would ice the puck, take eight seconds off the clock, things like that, and that's the way that it was going. And then there was a puck that was sent down the ice, and Easton Cowan racing Brody Crane, and Brody Crane is fast. Brody Crane played in London. He has wheels, 
And Easton just outwilled his wheels. Easton's really fast, too, but absolutely outwilled him. It was wild to watch the power that he had in his stride. And in the end, he got up and underneath Brody Crane. And originally, the lines person called it icing. And it was clear even at, because remember, you're racing to the hash marks. You're not racing to the end boards. But it was it was clear that that he had him. And there was a meeting at center ice and the officials talked about it and the face-off was put at center. What a victory that was because that meant Braden Gillespie, the Guelph goalie, had to come back in the net and it was that kind of effort. So here is Easton on what it took to just hang on in that game. Pretty speechless right now, still trying to catch my breath, but, uh, you know, we practice hard all week for these moments and, uh, you know, that was a big win for us there and, uh, you know, we sweep the weekend, uh, won four divisional games, so we're really happy heading home here, but the work doesn't stop now and we're just going to keep it going and uh, look for two points there in Flint Wednesday night. London Knights forward Easton Cowan, who is now on an 18-game point streak that ties Casper Haltonen's 18-game point streak, best on the Knights this year, and it's one away from Anthony Romani, who's having just a tremendous season. Romani went undrafted, and he's somebody that now has an opportunity to be drafted simply by the way that he is playing this year for the North Bay Battalion. He leads the OHL in scoring right now. He had a 19-game point streak. If Easton Cowan can pick up a point against Flint, well, then he'll have a 19-game point streak too. He still leads the league in points per game. It's been wild. And the Knights, Kyle, as we close out, 18-0-0-2 in their last 20 games. They've hit that milestone of 20 games without a regulation loss. You've got to go all the way back to a game in Sault Ste. Marie that even had a goal that maybe if there was a different camera angle is called no goal. Who knows whether the game ends differently? Who knows whether it gets to overtime in that case? And maybe we're talking about an even longer streak where the Knights have not lost in regulation, but they're still counting the next game. And the next game is against the Flint Firebirds and Flint's a team that hasn't been having a whole lot of luck this year. Flint's a team that is now on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. They made some moves to certainly look toward the future. And right now, I mean, it's not like they're on any big losing streak, but they've just been losing more games than they've been winning. So the Knights want to go into Flint, get a victory, because Saginaw was down 4-2 to the Ottawa 67s and then found a way back and Maciej Sapovalov scored the winner in overtime. So Saginaw, with a game in hand, is only four points back of the Knights. The Sioux Greyhounds are only six points back of the Knights. And the wild swing, the Knights used to trail the Kitchener Rangers by 11 points in the standings. Right now, they lead them by nine. It has been a wild swing. And that's going back to about the start of December. So from the start of December until the start of February, it's been the London Knights completely moving past Kitchener and and it's almost at the reverse where the Knights have a game in hand on the Rangers if we want to do some math if the Knights were to win that game they would have completed the reversal they would have been trailing Kitchener by 11 and then they would be leading Kitchener by 11 but they're just about not the 11s they're about the two points and the victory against Flint on Wednesday they it's it's what happens when you go 18 0 and 2 over a 20 game stretch is every single game you are collecting points mike and you know we look at it in the 20 games you know they've collected all but two 
points, which is going to fire you up in the, you know, in the standings and the conference. And like you said, it went from trailing Kitchener to all of a sudden leading by a wide margin. And then the storm are behind them at 19 points. But I remember we talked about this a week ago. This was a very different look. London was right there with Saginaw and with the Sioux. And all of a sudden now they have gained points on both of those teams as well. And it's a testament to the players. It's a testament to a lot of people questioning if this team was going to do anything at the trade deadline. They really stood pat. They made one move uh, for Caleb Lawrence, who was brought in and has done a really nice job, but they didn't really mess with the dynamic and what this team does best. They play so hard every single night. Their best players are you know, constantly finding ways to always get on the score sheets. They were able to get Landon Sim back about halfway through the year, and they made moves earlier. They brought over Casper Halton in from Europe. They brought over Michael Simpson from Peterborough. They made you know a move earlier for uh, Henry Brustevich to kind of enforce that back end. So they've they've... They've made moves. They just all weren't at the time where everybody was paying attention. I feel like those moves have really paid off and elevated this team without having to give up so much at a deadline when players and and whatnot are at a premium. There's the key. And this team is positioned very, very well for the future. Once again, they think ahead on those depth charts. And you've got a lot of really good players playing in the GOJHL who are going to find ways onto this club. And if we could give one more nod before we go, because there are a lot of nods to give when you've gone 20 games without a regulation loss. But how about a nod to Evan Van Gorp and a nod to Will Nickel and a nod to Sawyer Bolton, because they're a fourth line. And if you're at night's games, watch them play. Watch how often they have the other team hemmed in their own zone, because that's your job as a fourth line. You're not being counted on to score if you do, and that line does. Sawyer Bolton had a goal on Sunday in Guelph. If that happens, great. But you're also looking at the way that players have accepted roles, and this is the best way to define it. Evan Van Gorp and Will Nickel are going to score a lot of points in the OHL. In the future, it will be their job to get a lot of points. Right now, it's their job when they step on the ice to not be scored on, to have the puck in the offensive zone as much as possible. doesn't matter whether you're scoring. Let's have the other guys on the bench. You do your work. Keep it as far away from your net as you can, and that's going to make a big difference in winning hockey games. And they may not get huge credit for it, but that's what they do. And watch how well they do it. Their time will come where they are putting up a lot of points, but right now they've accepted this role and the fact that they've accepted it so willingly and do it so well, that's another key to 18 and 2 So big kudos to those guys. And then just, I know we've done this now three times, but finally, Mike, uh, let's give a shout out to Owen Wilmore, who stepped up when Michael Simpson wasn't available to this team. And during three consecutive games played, went three and oh with a big win and got his first career Ontario Hockey League shutout in Kitchener on Tuesday. And then followed that up with back to back wins on Friday and Saturday, one at home, one on the road in a tough game at the Bayshore in Owen Sound. And then against a tough, eerie team at home, too, who does not make life easy on you. Owen Wilmore was spectacular and did everything you asked and then some, especially as the guy who hasn't been getting the majority of the starts this year. But if you look at his record, he's 11-4-0-2 as the, quote, backup goaltender 
with a 312 goals against and a near 900 save percentage. That You cannot get that type of goaltending. You look around the league at any other number two or whatever you want to call a goaltender, you don't get those numbers from your number two. And Owen Wilmore has done that and then some, especially in times when Michael Simpson is not available. His numbers have increased significantly from years past. He is such a good option for Knights. If God forbid Michael Simpson can't go or maybe they make a switch halfway through the game, he is a guy that every single play in that locker room goes, we can win with him. And he has played in big games in the OHL finals and in other series before I huge nod to him and what he has done with this team in his limited action this year. Awesome stuff. And Owen Wilmore, Kyle has played in eight of the 20 games on this run that we are talking about. So yeah, huge to have what he has been providing for the Knights. We could sit here and give kudos all day. The <laughs> Knights they're not doing it. They're preparing for Flint. And the Flint Firebirds are a club that, again, is a team that is looking toward next year. You can't overlook them. And the Knights will be playing the Windsor Spitfires on Friday night, and then they will go to Oshawa on Super Bowl Sunday. That's the way that the schedule has itself set up for the Knights for the next week. For ticket information, go to LondonKnights.com. And if you haven't seen this team yet this year, Better start now because it's been a fun run. You don't want to miss any more of it. No, and they're going to start selling tickets too with the playoffs right around the corner as well. We will keep you updated on everything as we lead up to it and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. As mentioned earlier in the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, at Kyle Grimard on socials, G-R-I-M-A-R-D, at Stubbs980 with two Bs. And Mike will talk throughout the course of the week and get ready for the weekend. Can't wait.